Good afternoon, everybody, uh, and welcome to Midday Moms. It's uh, Dorothy Polarski here from Midday Moms, CatholicMomsGroup.com, and we have a very popular and special guest back to Midday Moms. Uh, welcome, Father Merkley. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, so happy to see you here, and I, 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 uh, I'm just so excited and so pumped about talking to you about, you know, a mom's superpower, the sacrament of reconciliation, confession. Um, I also wanted to welcome, welcome all of you that are signing on, and I want you to tell us where you're from in the chat. So. We, we love knowing that you're here because, uh, you know, when we usually have mom's group, we're usually uh, sitting in a parish hall and all the moms are having coffee and we're chatting and, uh, oh my gosh, okay, hello, Fiona Fernandez from Connecticut. Hello, great to see you. Hello, Iris from North Carolina. Hello, Liz Garcia. Uh, I've known Liz since kindergarten. <laughs> I won't tell you what year that was. Hello, Nelsie from Milton. Um, Nelsie just recently sent me a beautiful, beautiful email. Thank you, Nelsie, for that. Um, Marie Healy from Kansas, Missouri. Um, this is exciting. Holy Moses. Kristen from uh, Kalamazoo. Like, I'm assuming that's Michigan. Lucy from Mississauga. Rosina from Etobicoke. Hi, Rosina. I've been meaning to call you. I need a favor from you. Paula Marshall from Mississauga um, from Clarkson. Yes. And uh, from Ancaster, from Brampton. Um, Adriana from St. Catherine of Siena. Um, if, oh, I'm just so excited. I get so excited to see you all here. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for signing on. Uh, whenever we're planning something like this, we're always wondering, is anyone going to show up? And here we have uh, Candy from uh, Mexico. Oh, my goodness. And we've got... Uh, um, Irene from South Africa and Angela from St. Gertrude's. Oh my gosh, uh, this is uh, just supernatural joy having you all join us from all over the world. It's kind of cool, like if you know what I mean. Uh, and you're gonna, if you've never joined us before, you really picked probably the best session to join us on because I was just telling uh, Father uh, Greg before we signed on, Father Greg is loved by so many. And uh, if you know Father Greg and you love him, I want you in the chat to put, I know Father Greg and I love him. So send us some good vibes here. Uh, hello, Jeannie from North Scarborough. Uh, hello, Maria from Ajax. A big, warm, Welcome to all of you. If I could, I'd hug you each uh, individually. I, I did want to take just a few minutes to tell you a little bit about our ministry. I know that some of you have come to all of our midday mom, uh, you know, midday mom sessions and others. Maybe this is your first time. Before I tell you a little bit about our ministry, I just want to just say a quick a quick, just a very quick prayer. Um, so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we know that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that you are present. 
and we acknowledge your presence and we rejoice in your presence. Uh, not only are there two of us gathered in your name, there's dozens of us gathered in your name, all the way from Mexico, all the way from Kansas, all the way from uh, South Africa to Ajax. We're all here now in this moment uh, to praise you, to learn about uh, the gifts that you offer us. And we offer this uh, session to our Blessed Mother. We thank her for all graces received and uh, we love you and we just beg for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not limited by the computer and the Holy Spirit is not limited uh, by geography and so we just pray for an anointing of refreshment, encouragement, and consolation. Um, so come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, touch the hearts and minds of your faithful and Thanks for joining us. And just one, um, just one Hail Mary, if you would join me at home. I'm going to ask Father Greg to lead it, and I'll respond uh, with one Hail Mary. Okay, Father? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, and please remember, we always love hearing from you. So, you know, sometimes we've prayed the full rosary together here at the meeting. Other times we've just done a short prayer. So please do, you know, if you want to see the whole rosary online before we start with the speaker, let me know. Um, just always learning here on this end. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about our ministry. And so uh, online, if you're you know, looking for us, you can find us. Our website is catholicmomsgroup.com. We also host a annual conference called the Dynamic Women of Faith Conference. We are faith partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto, and we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Uh, moms in this day and age are stretched in 101 directions, you know, from um, having, you know, a career and having children and having their house look like Martha Stewart and they're, you know, they're also being pressured into, you know, looking like six sex symbols and having a perfect Instagram account and having children that can, you know, speak in 32 languages. And there are just so many demands put on mothers in this day and age. And many times in all of those demands, as moms, we forget that we're needy, right? We need to be mothered, you know, and that we need to be mothered by our blessed mother. And so we need supernatural help. And um, that one of our main priorities as moms is really to pass down the Catholic faith. You know, it doesn't matter how beautiful your Instagram account is, <laughs> if we haven't done a great job in passing down the faith. So we're here to remind moms that our most important job as a mom is to turn to our Blessed Mother, to learn from her, to become like her, to draw from her supernatural grace so that we can give that love and that faith, just like our Blessed Mother did to her son, Jesus, that we can give it to our own children. So we're faith partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto. 
on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Motherhood is a vocation, as a calling. And we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. We have worked with um, over 40, probably like 45 parishes and helping them start Catholic moms groups. And you'll notice that our uh, mothers groups that yes, some of them are moms and tots. Um, some of them are uh, multi-generational. So we have elders with the moms and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful gift because when you have moms of different generations uh, coming together, you know, the seniors feel valued and the seniors uh, take their kind of empty time and they're able to minister and serve moms. And then the young moms, they don't have to make the coffee and they don't have to bake the cookies because they've had a child up all night screaming. So they run into mom's group and being loved and nurtured. So we do have mother's groups of different generations. We have groups without children, we have groups with children. Um, we've seen the whole gamut and we're really hoping that someone here feels called to start a Catholic moms group because when you're in the company of other mothers that share your values, that share your convictions, it, it just changes your life. It was a, a game changer and a life changer for me. Um, belonging to a Catholic moms group. And so we've developed a variety of different tools. We have a mother's group starter kit. So if you wanted to start a mother's group, we ship that kit to you. And bada boom, bada bang, you can, there's all the material in that kit to help you promote the group, run the group, start the group. And we also have hosted for many, many years a Catholic mother's summit. And these sessions, uh, Midday Moms, started as a result of COVID. Um, a lot of our mother's groups can't meet face-to-face. -face. And so we're hosting Zoom meetings, we're hosting um, ministry Zoom meetings, and we're also, our mother's groups are also hosting Zoom meetings. So that's the long and the short of our ministry. And yeah that's who we are that's what we do and i hope that some someone here is anointed and says yes we're going to start a mom's group um but now i want to more formally introduce uh, father greg father greg merkley is a diocesan priest of the archdiocese of hamilton and um, father merkley is an enthusiastic revert to Catholicism with a passion for evangelization, catechesis, and Catholic formation. He loves learning about all things Catholic, and he treasures the riches of our tradi tradition, sharing them with um, all that he meets. I had the great pleasure of meeting Father Merkley uh, at St. Augustine Seminary. I was delivering a workshop uh, for the ordinandi, um, you know, resolving how to resolve conflict. And then uh, Kasha Rib, I don't know if she's here today, invited me to sit at Father Merkley's table at the uh, Ordinandi dinner. So, and so now here we are. Uh, so a big warm welcome. And all of you, I want you to give Father Merkley a round of applause if you would. Um, great seeing you here. So 
Father Merkley, it's, can you tell us a little bit about the sacrament of reconciliation and, and, and just how is it that it can be a superpower for Catholic moms? Because it's kind of, it's almost, you know, a, a bit of a paradox. You know, you go to a priest, you confess your sins, and then you become a glorious, perfect mother without flaw. Just kidding. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so we'd love to hear you. That's great. Thank you so much, Dorothy. I'm so glad that I get to be here with you. And uh, I really love the title that you that you got for this talk. Like, it's such a great way to just refresh ourselves on the awesome gift of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which is, of course, also known as the Sacrament of uh, Penance or of um, Confession. And uh, so, yeah, I want to do exactly what you just said. And in fact, I actually made a, a list of all the things I hope to cover today. So I'm going to tell you what those are just now so you know what I'm going to do, okay? Okay, good, good. So here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a little story, a short story involving confession, just to illustrate how it can be a superpower. I want to tell you a few basics about confession. I want to tell you why you shouldn't be nervous to go. And I'm going to explain more about that. Uh, I want to tell you why, even though I didn't used to love going to confession, I now I love going and I also love hearing confessions. Uh, I look forward to telling you more about that. I also want to tell you a bit more where, where the Sacrament of Reconciliation comes from because there are some people who have questions, why do I have to go to a priest, where is this from? I look forward to just shedding a little light on that because that's a common question we get as priests. Also, I wanna share just in general what we believe as Catholics when it comes to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Some important things that uh, I think everyone needs to know and just from my experience in hearing a lot of confessions, because I, I think I've easily heard, like I think it's safe to bet at least 1700 or so by now. Um, I mean, I don't count them, so can't say for sure, but uh, that's on the conservative side. Uh, I've only been ordained about a year and eight months, but I've heard a lot of confessions in that time. Did you, did you say 1,700, like 1,700? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I mean, so there, you start to notice trends and you start to notice things that would be helpful to tell people. Um, so I want to share some of those things with you. And um, I also really want to touch on how we can use this as a superpower, like how this relates to motherhood in particular. Like in general, it's great. Vroom, vroom, vroom. You got our attention, Father. <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, and I want to talk about a few ways how we can do confession better, make it even a greater experience. And then we'll just keep chatting as well as we go. So those, those, are, those are kind of the things I want to go into. And uh, if you want, I can just start with my little confession story. Please. Okay. So here's a story. This is a true story. There was a, a young man, and uh, he was around 20 or so. And uh, he was going to church, like he hadn't gone for a long time. But he just started going again because he was, well, his girlfriend was going. So he thought, you know what, I guess I'll go. Yeah, can't hurt that much. Um, so he started going. And he started hearing the priest talk. He started believing more in the gospel. And he started feeling convicted of his sin. He started feeling like, oh, man, you know what? If this God stuff is true, then like, I should probably change some of the things I'm doing. Like I'm not really being the most loving person. And so one night, somehow he got up the courage to go to confession. He was really nervous, he was really scared. He didn't know the priest that well. He didn't wanna look kind of bad to the priest, but he went. And the priest was so warm, so kind, so compassionate. 
made him feel so much better, gave him great tips in confession, helped him feel God's unconditional love. And after what felt like a long time, it was probably only like 15 minutes at most, this young man had this experience where he felt blown away by God's mercy. And he walked out crying because of the beauty of his experience with God. This new peace, this new freedom, this new joy, this new lightness of heart that he felt. And it was a sensation, a sensation he didn't even know he could have. And he just felt like on top of the world. And he started going to, to church more, going to confession more. And he just found this peace. And he started to put God more at the center of his life. He started noticing smaller and smaller sins. And he started to be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, maybe I got to pay attention to that too. Uh, and the, his friends and family started noticing that he was changing, that he was different, that he was trying to be nicer. He still wasn't perfect, but he was trying. And he was, he was actually changing. And, you know, you probably are not going to be surprised when I tell you that that story is about me. Okay, that's, that's me. That's a bit of my story. There's a lot more of the story, but it's not about me today. Uh, it's never really about me anyways. It's about God. Um, but that's my little story to share with you how confession has been uh, ever since then a big part of my life. So just some basics now. I know you all probably know this, but if I don't say it, I'd be kind of remiss. Obviously, confession is one of what we call the seven sacraments. And Jesus instituted the sacraments. He set them up. The church didn't make them up. Jesus made them. They're all in the Bible, all of them. So, and what is a sacrament? Very simply, we often define a sacrament as a visible sign instituted by Christ to communicate invisible grace, which is just to say that Jesus loves us so much that when he ascended into heaven, he wasn't like, hey, I'm just peacing out, guys. You know, I gave you a good message. Hey, hopefully you wrote it down. I'll see you later. Hope to see you one day. No, he set up a church and he founded it on the rock of St. Peter. We see this in Matthew's gospel, one holy Catholic apostolic church and the apostles creed. And what did he do for that church? He set up this amazing divinely inspired system of the sacraments where we experience Christ's love, his grace. We encounter him personally in our lives because he wants to do great things for us. And all the seven sacraments do something great. They're an encounter with Christ. He set them up and they communicate grace. If we do them right, then we experience the grace, the love, the healing, the blessing of our loving God. And so, this is why they're so important, and they're all in the Bible. Okay, so, why do we, why do we, uh, you know, maybe get a little afraid of going to confession? Or why do we get nervous, you know? I know when I started going, I started feeling peace, freedom, love, support. But, you know, I was a little nervous. I was nervous at first. I probably was like, I, I might have even like chickened out on one occasion before. I don't even know, but I wouldn't be surprised. And, uh, but what happened was I started realizing that it wasn't as scary as I thought. In fact, I want to tell you, the two priests that, that were at my parish, when I started going back to church again, one and then another pastor came and took his place. These were really holy, hardworking priests. I was so profoundly humbled and privileged because they worked hard. They were devoted priests of sacrifice. They were working so hard for the families of their parish. And I really wanted to be like them. I wanted to, to give my life to Christ in that way. As I started hearing a call to Father, the priest. Can, yeah. I, can I just, the one thing I want to speak to any of you here, maybe that haven't been to confession in a very long time, 
because maybe there's some kind of, you know, priest that kind of, you know, got you mad. I was going to say, but, uh, you know, just ticks you off, I guess is the right word. And you thought, okay. And it, that happened to me, you know, that happened to me. I, I was a, a regular, 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 you know, of going to confession. And then there was a, a priest, um, you know, back in the uh, late 70s, that's scary saying that, that uh, I had been going to confession to him and then he left the priesthood. And I was kind of like, <gasps> and, and I, I got just so spiritually wounded. And I thought, you know, I didn't stop going to church, but I thought, okay, that's the end of that. I'm never pouring my heart out to a priest for years again, you know? And then I went to St. Joan of Arc and I heard Father James Casper and his very voice was so holy, so gentle, so peaceful, so, I'm like, I gotta go back to confession and I gotta go to that guy. <laughs> and so, um, if any of you here, you know, and, and, and so since, you know, 19, 89, I've been going to confession to Father James Casper, you know, and he's a priest of the Sacred Heart. So if any of you here have had a break from going to confession, I think that the Holy Spirit might be using this session to invite you back. Because yes, there are priests that have gotten us mad and gotten us angry. And don't let that one priest separate you from all of the graces that are just waiting to come your way. Okay, so I just had to throw that little story. That's good. That, no, that's, <laughs> awesome. that's actually what I wanted to touch on too. So I'm really glad you made that point and shared that beautiful personal story. You know, uh, it's so important. And I even want to say that I, in my experience, I've been blessed. I've, I don't recall ever going to a priest who was like mean to me. They're always super nice, super helpful, super encouraging, super patient with me, super just like really generous and like fatherly, very loving, um, like really revealing the heart of Jesus. In his unconditional love. Um, and in fact, I've been blessed that I've heard exceedingly few stories of priests being unkind. Um, but I have to say that, yeah, praise God, that's not the norm, but sadly it has happened. And I just want to say if that has happened to you, like Dorothy said, I am so sorry. And please don't let that instance take you away from Jesus in this sacrament that he set up. And we're going to talk about that because you will be missing out on all his love, all the grace he wants to give you. So I'm so glad you shared that, Dorothy. Thank you so much. And in fact, I just want to point out how confession was a superpower for me before I kind of go into a little more. My chains, my spiritual chains were broken. I had this unhealthy sense of shame and it was washed away as the priest gave me absolution. My soul was washed clean. It was renewed in the blood of Christ. My relationship with God was healed and restored. All the sins of my life were forgiven. Like, this is incredible. I was like, whoa, I can't believe this. This is incredible. Um, the power of the devil in my life to bring me down and take me away from God's peace and love and joy and the holiness I was supposed to have. You know, the power of the evil one was taken away uh, in a huge way. I received so many graces to love God and my neighbor, my family, others better. I received great counsel, great advice, great encouragement. Um, and I began building a relationship with my priest, a relationship I didn't know I could have. And, uh, and so I just started feeling this great support. And I actually, before I even tell you a little more about 
why you shouldn't be afraid. I actually want to tell you a little bit what it's like to be a priest and hear confessions. Like, I could talk about this forever. I feel so, so blessed, so humble, so privileged that I get to hear confessions. Like, it's, oh man, I'm so blessed. I feel so happy. I feel so humbled because I get to watch God work in amazing ways. I get to see so many incredible miracles. Just like, it's just normal for me. Like, I just get to watch the Lord do amazing things in people's lives, like on a daily basis, even now. You know, I still get to hear confessions. Confessions are still available uh, by appointment in uh, our Diocese of Hamilton. I'm sure they are as well in our Diocese of Toronto, and hopefully they are wherever you are. Um, you know, people resolving to love their spouse better or, you know, um, love their children better, love their parents better, love their coworkers better, um, come back to the church after years and years and years. Um, maybe there, there's big wounds, big hurts in people's lives and they have the grace to forgive themselves or forgive others or both or just to turn to the Lord and realize that he was with them all along. Um, I have totally cried so many times hearing confessions and I have seen a lot of people cry uh, as I hear their confessions. And, and why is this beautiful? Uh, like I say, like, like tears uh, as an end in the cells, but because it's a sign of God's deep touching of our lives. His, his grace, his love, his unconditional mercy, his mercy so much bigger than anyone's sin, infinitely, like unfathomable, um, far beyond our comprehension. He loves forgiving. And um, I love hearing confessions. I, sometimes people say like, uh, hey, how are you doing, Father? I'm just like, I love being a priest. It's great. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, and I can hear confessions all day. In fact, I, I'd be so happy if Bishop Douglas Crosby, my bishop, said, hey, Father Gregory Merkley, like, uh, we just want to assign you to hear confessions all day, every day. Is that okay? I'd be like, yeah, that, that's totally okay. Uh, I would be so happy. I would feel a great joy. Um, and you might even be listening to this and be like, wait a sec. Wait, like, whoa, happy? Like, how could you be happy hearing all that negative stuff, that sin? Wouldn't it get you down, Father? No, no way. Uh, because we don't just think of sin. In fact, you know, um, it's not like confession is primarily about sin. Yeah, obviously it's an important theme, but really it's only important because we're talking about God and his love and he's loved us so much and he wants to forgive us. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, he didn't just like, you know, give them the boot right. Like he actually like created new clothes for them. And he's like trying to heal the relationship right off the bat. He promises a savior right off the bat. Like he's doing everything he can because he wants to be one with us. There's nothing that our father will not do for us. Uh, if he's given us his son, Jesus, like what else is he going to give us? He'll do anything. He loves us. He loves you so much, so much. I wish I could tell. In fact, I sometimes tell people one of the saddest things about being a priest, uh, at least for me, because I'm not a very good priest. Um, I wish I could convince people, uh, help them experience God's love and mercy even more deeply. Like I, it's beyond my capacity, my human ability, you know, cause just cause I'm a weak human being. It has to be God that does it. I try to be that instrument. I ask the Lord to please form me, please guide me, please help me to be the priest. You want me to be, I can be the saint. You want me to be, we're all called to be conformed to God's will. That's what being a saint really is about. Um, but I'm very weak and I, I wish I could convince people or show them or just let them experience God's love more. I do my best, but that's one of the things I love seeing. And people do, they do encounter God's grace and his peace and his healing, his mercy so much. I get to see God set captives free, like a lot, like a lot. It's incredible. Uh, people like, like yeah, I'm sure a lot of priests get this. You know, I get lots of texts. Hey, Father, can you, can I come by and hear, can you hear my confession today? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's, like, how about this time? You know, um, it's amazing. Uh, it makes me so happy. 
the merciful father loves you. Like think of the prodigal son. Uh, the father is out on the lookout. He's like, whoa, where'd, where'd my son go? I want him to come back. That's how God is when we stray, with love, with love. It's not just like, I want him back. No, it's like, well, I mean, obviously he wants us back, but with love, with warmth, with tenderness, with a personal care for you, because there's only one you, and he made you from all eternity, knowing you, he treasures you. He would have sent Jesus to die for you if you're the only one. That's how much you are so loved, so loved. And if only people would realize how loved they are and come back to the Lord to have that healing, that relationship, this reconciliation. No, Father, I just, you know, one thing that's coming up here, um, and I think it's important that we take a look at it, like someone saying, I don't go to confession because I don't know what to confess. I'm not a saint, but I don't break any of the commandments. Um, and then another person says, oh, you know, I've, I would go to confession to you, but other priests kind of leave me feeling empty. Um, is it, you know, sh is confession only for the people that have murdered and stolen and dishonored their parents? Like, is it, you know, because I think some people think confession is just for like the people. Really serious, crazy, like murderers, like criminals. Yeah, like, and... I love going to confession. I like, I just, I run to it and I promise I'm not a murderer and I haven't robbed a bank, right? So can you kind of like address that? Like, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, basically when we think of what we're going to confess at confession, uh, we're so, I'm definitely planning to talk about this more, but it's good to talk about it now just so it's like it's mentioned. It's not like we're like looking for big things. I mean, if you've got big things, Hey, confess them. That's good. You have to. That's important. Um, ask the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, come show me where I haven't loved. Because sin is the opposite of love, right? Love is doing what is truly good for someone else. You know, it, it could be super small things. Maybe, maybe sometimes we're not as gentle and kind and patient with someone we live with or with someone we work with. Or maybe we don't, um, maybe it's not a sin of, of commission, like we do something positively bad. But maybe it's a sin of omission. Like maybe I could have been doing something better, more loving with my time. You know, like, oh, I, I, I kind of binge watched like uh, 12 episodes of this Netflix show, but I could have probably been like, you know, I don't really read the Bible much. Maybe I should have been reading it. Maybe I should have prayed the rosary or read the writing of the saints or learned about spiritual things, you know, because um, we have to give, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Any defect, any imperfection in the smallest of in, in fulfilling those commandments is a sin, right? Sometimes you hear the, the definition because I know what's coming to people's minds. are going, oh wait, Father, I thought a sin is when you know something is wrong and you do it anyways. Yeah, that's a sin. That's not the only way of defining sin. The Catechism also defines sin, quoting St. Augustine, as any deed or act against God's law. And what's his law? Love. Everything you do should be for love of God and neighbor. So if you have a moment where you're doing something and it's not for love of God and neighbor, that was a sin. It doesn't have to be you committed adultery, you murdered. I sure hope it's, well, I mean, ideally it's not. Because if it happens, don't worry, the Lord's merciful. It's always a good time to start again. But it's not like you're like, hmm, man, I guess I didn't commit enough serious sins this week to go. You know, uh, because in the seminary, I was taught to go every week. As a priest, priests should go every week. That's what we were taught. And... Praise God, I did. The vast majority of seminary, I went every single week. And as a priest, I've kept that up. I go every week. And uh, you have to do a good examination of conscience. You know, you can Google these, examination of conscience, Catholic confession, whatever. 
and, and just look at it. And some are better than others. Maybe you need a more detailed one if you're struggling to find, you know, but also just think of the seven capital sins. Have I been prideful? Maybe I've been greedy. Have I been envious of anybody? Have I been vain? You have to ask yourself, have I, have I had impure thoughts? Uh, did I consent to any of these sins? Like a temptation is different than a sin. So if a temptation comes to your mind and you didn't will it to be there and you don't consent to it, so you don't be like, oh yeah, I'm going to download with that temptation. I'm going to entertain a little bit. And maybe I'm going to do it. I don't know. Well, if you do that, yeah, that's a sin. But if it just comes to your mind and you're like, I don't want to think of that. I'm going to focus back on God or whatever I think he wants me to do. That's not a sin. Uh, it's a temptation. You can still bring temptations to, to confession, but you don't have to feel guilty over temptation because some people do. Um, but going frequently, and the church teaches we should go frequently. The bare minimum is once a year, but it's not the ideal. You know, uh, the church says we should go to communion every day if we can, right? Uh, that's what that's what the church says. What great saints have said. You know, it's not always possible, obviously, unfortunately. But so we also need to keep our souls clean, and we need to do that by going to confession frequently. It doesn't define frequently. Often you hear priests say once a month is a good target. Even more is great. You know. Um, and uh, you'll love it, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Uh, but you have to ideally prepare, pray, ask the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, the Holy Spirit will show you, because he loves you in a very gentle way. Just kind of gently draw your attention to something where maybe you weren't so loving. And that's when you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this down maybe. If you feel comfortable, you can write it down. I write, I mean, you don't have to do this. It's totally personal. I know many people, a lot of people write down their sins because they're like, I'm not gonna remember this. But uh, they do. You don't have to. But it's helpful. I do. Because uh, I could forget. I don't have the best memory sometimes. So that's important. And then sometimes people say, like, hey, won't priests think uh, worse of you if you go to confession? They're going to know your, like, deep, dark secrets. Like, no, actually, priests are humbled and privileged and touched. And even more, they're in inspired and edified by your sincerity, by your humility, by your courage to go to confession and experience this superpower. I haven't told you yet why it's so super powerful. There's just like so much on this sacrament. Like the reality is it's really actually kind of hard to talk. Uh, there's so much to say. Like I could talk about confession for like days on it and I would not run out of things to say at all. So this is all important. Priests are delighted to see God work in you and delighted to see your heart open. They're not gonna think less of you. They're gonna think more highly of you. They're gonna like, look at this, look at this woman. She wants to do God's will. She's humble enough. Like, wow. The greatest gift anyone can give me as a priest is to try to be closer to God. You know, that's what makes me happy. If people say, oh, Father, what can we do? You know, pray for me and like, just keep coming closer to the Lord. That's what I'm here for. That's what priests exist for. To offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and make the sacraments as widely available as possible. Helping as many people come to experience the, the truth, the love, the knowledge of Jesus in the Catholic Church, which Jesus founded, to, to have the joy of following the Lord. So, uh, yeah, I think that's so important. Um, it could be anything. And uh, there's some great questions going on here. I just feel like maybe it's good. What can you, so is it okay if I jump into some of these questions, Dorothy? Sure, yeah. Okay. What can you do if, uh, this is from, from Mary Healy, so thank you. Well, if you're not going to church because of the pandemic, what can you do to feel, uh, until I feel safe? So that's great that you're watching Mass Online, praying the rosary, listen to podcasts. Those are so good. Those are so, so good. I'm so happy. Um, it's true, this is gonna depend to some degree on where you're at and what your diocese is doing or archdiocese. What I would recommend doing is, is call your local parish, call your home parish, call your priest, and just tell them, 
um, if they if they do confession by appointment, awesome, it's great. Now, now if you feel unsafe, if you are kind of like, well, I don't know, if that's where you're at, well, let's hope you're uh, in right relationship with God, so that you don't have any mortal sins on your soul, which I am planning to talk about too. Um, tell the Lord your story. Um, I would say if you really can't go, for some grave reason, you really can't go, then you should look up what's called perfect contrition. Uh, which is true sorrow for sin, not because of a fear of hell, but because you love God. And God gives that grace to us. And when we have that grace and we respond to it, our sins are forgiven. However, we still need to confess those sins and confession doesn't change that. That's something that is worthy of a greater talk. But I would just say, hopefully that's not too many people. Um, it's definitely true, as, as uh, Adriana says, that when you go to confession, all your burdens go away. Um, no, if you can't go... Can yeah. I, I just, can I, I just wanted to pipe in something, I guess, you know, I've hosted a mother's group now for, oh gosh, you know, 23, 24 years. And one, th like several things come up quite often that, you know, very often um, we as Catholics, you know, we haven't had the formation of what a sin actually is. And and that there's there seems to be like a lot of negative association between like the word sin and popular culture, right? Like, oh, don't bring sin up. Like, and mm. and I I keep on trying to say whenever I can to any group of mothers that will listen, is that if you know what a sin is, that's actually a gift. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I always imagine that, okay, let's pretend, and I'm, I'm pretending here, but let's pretend the kingdom of God is a hundred feet away from me, and that sinning puts a boulder between me and the kingdom of, you know, confession, in the kingdom of, and God's kingdom. So if I can remove that boulder and get closer to God, that I'll, I'll be in more communion with God. And, and one thing that doesn't get talked about at all from the pulpit, because it's such a sensitive topic for women, um, but like, I had no, and I know that some of you are going to hate me because of this, and some of you might just like sign off, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't get, but one thing that doesn't get talked about is that, you know, that birth control is a mortal sin. <laughs> and people go, what, I've been on the pill for five years, what do you mean? And, and they don't know, you know, <laughs> that, and, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or a Dorothy Downer, but once you remove artificial contraception, like a flood of graces are waiting for you, right? And I'm like, you know, get off the pill for a year <laughs> and just watch God, you know, work in your life in a way that he's never worked in your life before. So, you know, a, a lot of women don't know this. And, and then the other thing that a lot of women don't know is, um, you know, many of us are like, and, and, and I was included too in that, many of us are dabbling in things that we don't know that are sins. Like, I had no idea that, you know, that maybe, you know, checking your horoscope one too many times and relating to people vis-a-vis -vis their sign, that really that's a false god. Right. And, and that, you know, and then the last thing I want to say before, again, I defer to you, Father, is that when my children started going to school, elementary school, 
like the word sin, it was almost a sin to say the word sin. You know, the school principal was kind of like, well, there's good choices and bad choices, but don't say the word sin. And I'm like, no, no, a good choice and a bad choice. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, it might be a bad choice to paint your bedroom black, but it's not a sin. But if I take $10 out of my mother's purse, that's a sin. And there's a difference between that. And, but, but like our, a, a lot of schools also like, I'm like, whatever happened to sin? No one's talking about sin anymore. Um, so, and, and I know that with Vatican II, or like, I don't know where it changed, um, but that as mothers, we have a duty to teach our children the difference between good choice, bad choice, and sin. Um, so that's, that's just Dorothy throwing in her, uh, you know, their, their sin still exists, even though they're not talking about it in our culture, and they're not talking about it in our Catholic schools. So anyway, Father, sorry to, to interrupt. No, it's great. Hey, no, I, I'm always happy when we can hear the beautiful, the beautiful life-giving and joy-giving teachings of, of our faith. And uh, it's so important that we hear them that way because often we can hear like, well, don't do this, don't do that. And we're like, well, it's all negative. Like um, there are so many rich, beautiful teachings in our faith that take a little more time to understand because we have to know not just what the teaching is, but why. And then we're free to follow up this truth of the fact that yes, like if we're not open to, doesn't mean we have to, you know, like families are not obliged to have as many children as possible. It's not the church. Yeah, I have two, by the way. I have two children. <laughs> you know, I'm not a mother of 22. I'm a mother but of- More is great. Like more is a blessing, right? We've always seen that as a blessing in the church. Um, but to understand that teaching more is, is such a rich and beautiful teaching that uh, you have articulated perfectly. Uh, it's so great. And uh, it's something that's always good to hear, you know? So that's something that I feel like I wish I could get into, but uh, I run the risk of talking too long. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just, I just like, you know, I, I got to learn to, like, I always pray Holy Spirit and help me shut up. But anyway, so, <laughs> oh, no, I'm share. That's great. So, okay. so um, yeah. And um, so I know people are often like, well, you know, what will the priest think of me? Don't worry. He's going to think even better of you. What if you do it wrong? Don't worry. It's hard to do it wrong because the priests are going to help you anyways. We're so used to helping people, um, walking through it, making it really easy, very like relaxed. Don't be nervous. Uh, you really can't do it wrong because the priest can help you. Like He won't let you do it wrong because he wants to help you. Um, like, you know, if people sometimes, just as an example, sometimes people come into confession and they forget to say like how long it's been since their conf last confession. They're going into their sins right away and say, uh, they say, Oh, by the way, how long has it been since your last confession? Oh, yeah, it's been about, uh, okay, yeah, go on, you know. Um, or if they say, like, oh, you know, I looked at this thing on the, I think I looked at something on the internet, like, I shouldn't look at it. I say, can you tell me a little more about what that is, you know? And then if uh, if it's a mortal sin, then I tell them about a little more. Then I'll get into that, because that's where the church uh, has some teachings on that, too. But you're not going to do it wrong. Uh, why do you have to go to a priest? Well, yes, God is everywhere. He can hear you. Uh, yes, we can always go to God, but that's not how God set it up. That's not how Jesus set it up. In fact, I just want to read to you from John 20, uh, chapter of John's gospel, 20, uh, beginning uh, verse 19, moving to 23, okay? This is one of the many places we see confession in the sacred scripture. This is right after the resurrection. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So what do we see right here? We see Jesus is giving the Holy Spirit, is giving a special gift to his apostles who are going to hand on that gift through the laying on of hands and sacred ordination throughout the centuries, right? Because our bishops were ordained by bishops who were ordained by bishops all the way back to the 12th, right? That's how priests would share in the power of the ministry of the bishops, have this power. It comes from Jesus, who if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Well, how will they know what sins to forgive? if they don't hear them, right? Confession was a common practice even before the scriptures were canonized in the late 400s. Scripture uh, is based on this, you know, uh, all of this. And then also, just in case, there's so much more. Like James, letter James says, confess your sins to one another. And then also, we also know that even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, you have to go to the priest, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to confess your sins over the scapegoat probably heard about this well how does he know what sins to confess if you don't tell him he can just make up your sins no like it's in the old testament and the new testament and there's many other places so if you say well you know this isn't biblical i would say actually it is biblical it is and uh, if we're not you know if your church if a church doesn't have the confession of sins it's not biblical right so this is biblical teaching this isn't something we made up um, it's because God is the divine psychologist. He set this up. He knows it's so good for us uh, to do it this way, uh, along with the graces that he gives us. Okay, so why do I have to go to a priest? That's a bit of why. There's so much more. One thing we have to know, and I have to remind people of this a lot in confession, because I don't know why this is, but for some reason, it's not really talked about. Okay, there's a distinction between two types of sins, broadly speaking. There's the more serious sin, which we call mortal sin. Mortal sin is when you, you do something what's called gravely wrong. And grave, ra gravely wrong or grave matter is when you do something like against the Ten Commandments or something connected to them. And it has, unless it's like an exceedingly small thing, it's gravely wrong, right? So lying is gravely wrong. Um, stealing is gravely wrong. You know, uh, not honoring the Lord's day is gravely wrong. Not honoring your parents is gravely wrong. Unless you're doing it in some exceedingly small way, okay, then it's not as bad, but it's still bad. So, okay, that's gravely wrong. If, if immortal sin has three conditions, okay? It's gravely wrong. You know it's gravely wrong at the time you do it, and you still do it on purpose. Okay, anything with those three, it's gravely wrong. I know it's gravely wrong when I'm doing it, and I freely choose to do it on purpose. I do it anyways. I'm not, I'm, I know it, but I'm going to do it. It's called a mortal sin. This, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and even the Bible talks about this, this is deadly sin. This is mortal sin. It cuts us off. It's spiritually deadly. It cuts us off from the life and the love of God. And so these sins are very serious. And these are the sins that you are required to confess in confession. And if you read the Code of Canon Law, the most recent code, 1983 code, and if you look at the Catechism and you look at previous ecumenical councils of the church's teaching, the church is very clear that we are required to confess our mortal sins in what they call two things, number and kind. Kind just means what was the sin, very simple. What was it actually you did? Don't just kind of, you don't have to give too much detail, but the priest should know what it was you did, you know? And then the second thing, number, that's your best estimate at what, how many times you do that. You could say, I think it's been 10 times, I think it's been five, no more than 20. I think for the last year I did it every, every week. Uh, 10 times. Are you, excuse me. So you're, I, because I'm learning as we go, which is good. We're supposed to confess the number of times we did it. If it's a mortal sin, 
that's the church's it's right in the code of canon law it's 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 not like it's not well it's not uh made up i'm not making this up like wow i'm gonna pull up the code um it would take me a little i don't want to risk taking too long but if i get time later i will but you can look this up yourself so that's important. Mortal sins, you have to confess them. And the, and your, the church teaches where to confess them in number and in kind. Don't be scrupulous about the number. If you don't know exactly, don't worry. Just do your best and, and don't stress about it. The other kind of sin is called venial sin. All sin is bad, but venial is just a sin that doesn't meet all those three conditions. It's not, it's at least one of them. It's not gravely wrong or it's not, uh, you didn't uh, know it was gravely wrong when you did it or you weren't free. Someone forced you or whatever it is, right? So a lot of times people come to confession and they're like, well, you know, Father, I did this. And um, most of the time they don't know the distinction between mortal and venial sin. So I, I just gently lovingly tell them, I say, by the way, have you ever heard of, uh, of mortal sin? Do you know what that is? You know, and sometimes they say, oh yeah, yeah, fine. And then I tell them what I just said. Or if they don't, I explain it to them, just like I did very lovingly. So that way they know and they can make a proper confession. Um, again, don't be scrupulous about it. I don't want people to be scrupulous or stressed, um, but this is how to make a proper confession according to the teachings of our faith. Um, and so, this is important. Um, sometimes you'll say, well, I'm not prepared enough. What if I didn't prepare enough? I say, don't worry. Sometimes it's better to go, even if you haven't had like some, I don't know, amazing time to prepare. Because sometimes it's good to go. Like I've heard some people say, well, you know, I haven't gone in a couple months because I just didn't get the time to prepare. And, I, and then I might say lovingly, like, well, you know, it's probably just good to go anyways. Like the worst case is you show up and you do your best to say the things you remember and you're sorry. And you get forgiveness. And not only that, but when you go to confession, not only are your sins forgiven, as long as you confess your sins properly, you're truly sorry, and you have what's called a firm purpose of amendment, and you have, a, uh, you have an intention to do your penance. If you have those, as long as the priest is validly ordained, and he's got faculties to hear your confession, which they do unless they're told they don't, um, then your sins are forgiven. And not only are your sins forgiven, though, a lot of people don't know. There's a lot more that happens also, you know? In every sacrament, we receive what's called sanctifying grace. And this is God's very life. It's like he injects his own life into you, his own love, his own life, his own grace, his very being increases. It's on a continuum. The saints have a lot of sanctifying grace, which is also known as charity. So they're full of life. They're full of divine life. If you go to confession frequently, you're going to be more and more full of that life. You also get in confession what's called uh, particular graces. So you get uh, actual particular graces to help you with the sins you've confessed, especially, right? So you get graces to not commit that sin. It's going to be easier for you not to do it again. Uh, it's not just like you've been forgiven for it. That's already awesome. But you actually get bonus grace. It's like you're getting strengthened to not do it again, which is why a lot of the times when people are struggling with habitual sin, you know, or whatever it is. I just say, just keep Father, going. I, I just wanted to interject just a little bit because I, I learned something else and I wonder if everybody caught it. Um, this whole idea of, you know, a firm purpose, uh, you know, of amendment as being, um, uh, you know, almost like a criteria. Because I, I think that there was a time where I did, and I think maybe a lot of people do, where, you know, you sort of treat confession as like a, an emotional dump. Okay, like, here's all my sins. Okay, here they are. See you later. I confessed but then nothing changes. Well, maybe nothing changes because, well, I'm still going to the store and still buying the three Kit Kats and still eating them. 
right? And, and, and so the least I could do is not bring the Kit Kat into the house, you know, it's like there, so that the firm, perp, the, the, you know, because one thing I do struggle with is, you know, I struggle with food, right? It's like, okay, I'm sad, a chocolate will cheer me up, right? And one is okay, but, um, but so this whole idea of the firm purpose of amendment, I think, I don't know if everyone caught it, um, and, you know, firm purpose and a firm plan, because I know I've been guilty of just like going in, confessing, and, and, and so maybe not receiving all of the graces that I could have. So sorry, I apologize for interrupting. Oh, that's great. And uh, Sandra just asked a great question here about mortal sin and does uh, your intense emotional states or some other psychological factors, can those mitigate one's culpability for their sin? Absolutely, right? So, you know, let's say your mother just died, right? You're going to be very uh, sad. You're going to be very emotionally challenged, probably. Not that, not, this isn't an excuse. I'm not saying, well, you sin as much as you want, because now everyone's going to say it's okay. Uh, but it's going to be harder, understandable, right? That's, that's terrible. It's a great tragedy. And so, of course, when there's something in our life that's emotionally uh, affecting us, then uh, those are going to mitigate the culpability. It's not an excuse to sin, but you're less responsible if you've got something big going on, throwing you off when you commit that sin, uh, which probably speaks to the fact that we need to monitor our emotions and pay attention to where our heart is. And is our heart with God? At every moment of the day, just do a little, you know, even every hour, just check, where's my heart? Is my heart close to God? Because um, it's so healing to receive this, this great healing um, of God, his grace, his peace, his love. And the focus is not really ultimately on sin. It's on his love, his mercy, his grace. He's, he's filling you with his love. Um, he's embracing you. Um, it's, it's profound. And someone else said, Father, can you speak to um, the sacrament of reconciliation as a sacrament of healing? Um, and Yeah, that's a huge point too. So this is such a deep topic, um, but you know, all of us, I'm sure this, all of you know, this is true. All of us have been hurt in our lives and there's so many ways that we need healing in mind in body, maybe in soul. Now, of course, when it comes to healing of the body, that's especially the focus of the anointing of the sick, that's accurate. Um, so the, the healing though of the, of the mind and the, of the spirit, the soul of your psyche, so to speak, a lot of that takes place through a good confession and through hopefully good counsel from the priest. The priest is supposed to, if he has the time and thinks it's reasonable and prudent, he's supposed to give you not only some encouragement, some love, like just you know, build you up, but maybe give you some tips. Because sometimes, I see this all the time, a small tip can be like a key that totally opens a door to somebody to help them not sin as much because they see something in a new way. You know, uh, if they can see where something is happening, then they can start to be aware of that dynamic. So the healing, you know, we've all been hurt. Uh, it could be from anyone, maybe those we especially love. Often it's, you know, maybe we grew up and we were not loved the way we were supposed to. Or people uh, that we really trusted hurt us and betrayed our trust. Or whatever it is, you know, uh, we all have hurts in our heart. And the Lord, uh, of course, confession is not primarily ordered to that because confession is ordered to our union with God. Uh, which is, of course, going to involve the forgiveness of sins. But God also does a lot of healing in our heart, helps us to see things more and more aligned with truth. He helps us to see uh, how we're called to forgive others as we've been forgiven, as we pray in your Father, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's a lot of healing, a lot of freedom, a lot of chains come off of people's lives, often chains that they might even know. Like, they, you know, let's say a woman comes, says, Father, I never told anyone before, but I had an abortion when I was 18 because I felt pressured. 
you know, uh, well, the priest is going to love them and encourage them to know God's unconditional mercy and say, nothing is too big for God's mercy. He loves you so much and he's so proud of you for coming today. The Father welcomes you with open arms. Be not afraid. You know, uh, and there's going to be healing for that woman's heart. Now, yes, her sin's being forgiven. And yes, other things are happening, but there's a healing there. And there's so many, there's like, there's so many kinds of wounds. So there's so many kinds of healing. So this is another thing that uh, is part of the superpower of going to confession is because as moms, you know, you want to be the best spouse you can be, the best mother you can be. And, and the thing is, your children look up to you. They're going to imitate you no matter what you think. And they're going to, even if you say, don't do what I do, they're going to do it, right? Uh, they're going to imitate you. So if you are closer to God, guess what your children are going to be? They're going to be closer to God. If you show them the importance of faith and love and God in your life by going to confession and loving and being able to say you're sorry, being humble enough to acknowledge that you need forgiveness and healing in your life, guess what your children are going to do? They're going to do the same. Even if you're like, oh, no, Father, they don't trust me. They don't take what I say or do seriously. Well, you might not realize how much you impact them just by your example, right? Our, our example, not that we're perfect, but we're striving. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we're called to try, at least try. Well, when people see that, you know what? They're inspired and they see your vulnerability and they're impressed and they want to do that too. And if you start being a more loving and joyful, kind person, when you come back from confession, guess what? They're going to be like, this stuff works. It's awesome. Okay, so, I, got a, I got a bit of a funny story. Um, my, my mom, you know, she was a, a survivor of World War II. She was pulled out of the rubble as a 13-year-old girl, right? And so, yes, like she had, you know, she had wounds and, um, you know, she often said that her mother held up a crucifix in the air as uh, Warsaw was being bombed. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's my way of saying my mother wasn't perfect, right? Um, because she came with, with wounds. Um, but whenever she went on a retreat, she came back so much nicer, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I thought, can you kind of like go back there, you know? And and I think that's what happens, um, you know. And that's what made me want to go on retreat because I thought, geez, you know, my mom came back nicer. Um, I want to come back nicer too, you know. And so it, that, that the whole idea that when we come back refreshed and renewed, um, that it does influence the family. Now, Akira here is asking, um, what about what really a sin that really seems to stick? A chronic like it's almost like a chronic illness you know we uh, we confess it with sincerity over and over again but it, it just keeps on sticking do you have any comments like like that yeah on, and it's a lot of people get uh, a lot of people get uh, sort of disheartened by this and they start to feel like they, they lose hope and my encouragement is like don't lose hope because the Lord is infinitely powerful like he is amazing. He has turned far greater sinners than you into incredible saints. So don't, don't think that you're stuck like this. The key is to be humble. And, and it's like St. Augustine says, pray like it all depends on God, because it does, but work like it all depends on you. So you have to ask, what can I do to maybe just remove the occasions of sin? That's a term we use to say the situations that lead us into sin, things that trip us up. Do I have any triggers? What are the things that trigger me going down that path? Start to cut those out of your life. And then also, it's important that you go to confession frequently. Because as we said, that's where you're going to get the grace to pull up that sin from the root. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the root of that sin. Like maybe you're trying to escape. Maybe it's an escapism. Maybe you're trying to numb the pain of life right now from whatever's going on. Uh, there's so many reasons why. There's so many roots of sin. Maybe you're insecure. 
Maybe there's something that, that didn't go your way and you're used to things going your way. Well, if someone says here too, I just want to, uh, my confessions are the same as when I was a child. I'm just listing sins. Is there a more fruitful way to approach confession as an adult? How do I grow in this sacrament? And then another person says, is it possible that people are not familiar with the names of everyday sin because it's not named and preached in our churches? I know people who don't believe in hell and never hear about it talked from uh, the homilies. So um, just any thoughts on, on, on those? Yeah, I wish we had more time. I know time's zipping by here. We just passed the divine mercy hour here. Oh, but, uh, I'm in no rush, so it's great. Um, my confession is the same. So I would just say, don't worry. Don't be like too caught up in like, oh, was this confession? My past confession? Don't worry. Just do your best to sincerely confess your sins. And um, it's okay if they're like when you're young. In fact, sometimes people even say, they're like, Father, I know my confession is going to sound really like old school. I'm like, no, no, you're good. Like, I think the key is just to say your sins, as we've said, and just be sorry for them. And then, uh, you know, find a good holy priest. One thing I wanted to point out during this time was the best is to find a good, holy, loving, kind, orthodox, faithful priest who loves you and who's going to give you not just love and mercy, but also he's going to help you grow. He's going to give you advice. He's going to give you counsel. He's going to know uh, in the right way how to spur you on, but in a loving way because um, it, it makes a lot of difference. You know, it makes a huge difference if you have a good priest or not. Uh, we pray that all priests will be good, but objectively speaking, some priests are better confessors than others. And that's just a fact. Is it possible that people are not familiar with the names of everyday sin? Absolutely. I'll be honest with you, Kathy, okay? St. James says in his letter, not many of you should become leaders because you will be held to a strict accounting. Priests, bishops, clergy, religious, those who have a special office in the church, it's, you know, it's not something that we often hear, but we need to hear this. They will be held to a strict account. All of us are going to be judged by Jesus Christ on every thought, word, and deed of our life. And it's not like he's out to get us, but our souls need to be purified if they're going to go to heaven. And not all priests talk about sin. Not all priests talk about the reality of eternal hell. Not because God wants us to go there. Jesus came to save us. We do need to hear that preached about. That does need to be talked about in a loving, pastoral way. Woe to the shepherds who do not care for their sheep, because they themselves shall find themselves not cared for in the way that they looked for. They will not find the love and mercy of God. Uh, God's always there to be merciful. But we need to do our part to follow God's will. And, uh, yeah. I, Father, one thing that a priest once said to me that was like a pivot, it was like, whoa. And I, I hope that, uh, that other mothers kind of hear the same thing. Um, I'm just, it's like just... It was during a restless time in my life. And, and so then he asked me, you know, have you read anything? Do you know anything about the duties of your state in life? And I was like, whoa. And, and we don't talk about the duty, of, the duties of a mother, you know, the duties of a father, and that we are going to be made accountable um, you know, for whether we fulfilled those God-given duties that we have. And this is part of the, the, the whole purpose of the mother's ministry is, you know, is to remind mothers that we're going to be made accountable as to whether or not we fulfilled our duties as, as mothers. And um, do you have any kind of 
you know, I know it's a big topic and we can probably go on and on, but <laughs> any thoughts in relation to, you know, sins, motherhood, the duties of mothers, our blessed mother, like just bringing it all into the context of, of motherhood. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's beautiful. And I really like this comment that uh, Susan uh, said about um, that confession gives us humility, helps us see our blind spots, helps us have some knowledge. Uh, the duties of a, of a mother, here are some of them, just so you can kind of do a little mini exam of conscience even here, okay? If you're a mother, you've got children, you are responsible for the material and the spiritual well-being of your children. That means ultimately you're called to get them to heaven. You're called to help them accept and understand the Lord Jesus as their savior, as their friend, to be prepared to receive the sacraments. You should teach them all the parts you can about the faith. You don't have to, don't, don't push it on them in a way that makes them rebel. You have to be gentle with them. But they should see most of all an example in you of holiness. You need to take care of, you know, if you have a job, you do your job. If you're at a stay-at-home mom, which is beautiful, so beautiful, then you live that well. You take care of all your duties. You might have to list what are all the responsibilities in my life and then try to work on them. But you're responsible for those, for those children that God has entrusted to you, right? You have a, a huge responsibility. Teach them the prayers, teach them the sign of the cross, teach them how to pray, teach them to go to confession, teach them the joy of, of following God. Let them see your joy, your radiant happiness, your peace, your love, your self-giving sacrificial love. If they don't see that in you, they're going to think there is some uh, inconsistency here because Jesus teaches us to lay down our life, to serve others with joy. It's the Paschal mystery born out in us. It's, it's, we live it out, we flesh it out. So they should see that. You've got to Raise your kids, protect them, guide them, teach them how to succeed well in life as much as you can. Teach them life skills, um, but play with them too. Let them experience play, joy, fun. Teach them how to do all the necessary skills of life. Think of what your parents taught you and think of what you wish your parents taught you. You gotta teach, and, and you know, if you're married, you gotta get your husband on board because he's gotta be as the head of the father, the father figure, he's gotta be leading the family to God because that's his mission. Yeah, and he's going to provide for the family and he's got to lead those, everyone, to do God's will. And I, I just, I wanted to do like a little bit of a shout out and a little bit of a warning to those of you that are listening, um, moms. Like, there, there, there's a real trend right now and it's, it's not a new trend. There's, it's probably existed historically, but it seems to have come up more so in the last, you know, like, I don't know, 10 to 15, maybe 20 years, I'm aging myself here. But there's this, this thing, you know, like, that if we have the proper, you know, mindset, and if we uh, have the right skill set, and if we acquire this mindset, this skill set, and if we manage our thoughts, we're going to attract the right things into our lives. And if we build a set of skills, we can have anything that we want. And it's such a scare, like it's almost like a scary gospel that some people are, are teaching, you know, that all you have to do is acquire 72 skills. All you have to do is have specific thoughts and you can have a perfect house and you can make all the money that you want. And it's like, it's taught in certain Catholic circles too, which is, you know, scary, right? And we, we do have to constantly you know, like beg for the Holy Spirit to tell us what 
you know, God's will is for us, never mind, you know, attracting the right things into our life and never mind having, you know, a beautiful home. Like I keep on saying, I don't think our blessed mother was sitting there thinking, let me get the right thoughts and the right skills so I can have the right house for Jesus and the right purse. And I can have a beautiful Instagram account and I can repel all sinners from me and only be surrounded by people that are uh, positive and wonderful and can help me like this like it like sometimes I'm hearing people say things and I'm like did you just say that really you know like oh my gosh oh my gosh right and and we have to be really careful because it, it is like i've heard catholics talk in that way and i'm kind of like someone get the holy water right um <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh gosh i gotta be careful what i say um but you know we're, we're uh you know whether it's called the law of attraction whether it's called having the right mindset um we have to be really careful that what we're trying to do as mothers is to fulfill the will of God and to love our children. Like, I don't care if you have a 5,000 square foot home um, that's beautiful with a Michael Kors purse with a fantastic Instagram account that is flawless. I want, I want to ask you, do your children feel loved? You know, um, do your children know that a heaven and a hell exist? Um, do your children strive to practice the faith, right? Like, tell me that, you know, like, tell me that. Don't, and, and so, you know, and I don't, you know what, the other thing too, I'm sorry, I've just got to say it, you know, like, I, I only have two children, yes, and I wanted to have a big family. Um, in 1999, God had other plans, and I got a random cosmic illness. And and many people have kind of accused me and like, what are you doing? You know, like you only have two kids and you don't wear long skirts. Yes, I do wear. You know, <laughs> I do wear leggings. You know, <laughs> but um, you can have ten children and be a sinner right? It's not the number of children that we have that makes us holy. Um, and just because you have one child doesn't mean you're not holy, right? Um, and, and so we need to be really careful, you know, as women, um, you know, criticizing people that have eight children, but we also have to be really careful that if we have eight children or ch 10 children, that we're not puffed up by some kind of pride and that we still have a duty to each of those eight children, right? Um, I could go on and on to, you know, and I, I gotta be careful, Dorothy, be careful. Um, Dorothy, be careful, be careful. I do not know whether outsourcing the care of our children is equal to a mother caring for her children. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a moral authority on that. But, you know, one thing we have to be careful of, I think, 
is that like right now our culture wants to hire a professional for everything a professional sleep consultant a professional um, home consultant an interior decorator we want to hire all of the freaking consultants and we forget that god gives us grace to be the mother of our children like, I don't know that our blessed mother was saying, let me talk to a sleep consultant and, you know, God, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like we, my mother used to always teach me that God gives you, Dorothy, gives moms a deposit of grace specific to your children and your children they, they make you face your sinfulness, right? Because it's like, okay, a newborn is screaming in the middle of the night. I get pissed off. I get angry because I didn't want to get woken up. Well, I am faced, I am forced to face my sinfulness. <laughs> you know, my anger, my limitations. And then I got to run to confession like, Father, I was angry at a three-month-old. You know, that's wrong. You know, like that three-month you know, and so, and, and it's in Dorothy or you facing your sins, like a toddler will bring out either the, you know, the best in you or the worst in you, right? And it's that relationship that forges a sacred bond, because out of the love you have for that child, you want to overcome your sins, because you don't want to be that way, right? Um, but if we're, not facing our sinfulness and we're brokering the care and you know and then we come home and we become a monster like i don't know i don't know i don't know what the answer i hope i didn't offend anyone and if i did forgive me i'll go to confession <laughs> I don't, um, but but you know i always beg mothers to say what would our blessed mother do what would Mother Mary do? And so I know I used to deliver corporate training programs across the US, across Canada. I've been paid to deliver seminars in Hawaii, New Zealand, Australia. And then when I had this little baby, I'm kind of like, does it make sense for me to get on an airplane and fly to Calgary to teach women how to dress for success and then give my daughter to somebody else so that person can teach my daughter how to be a good baby like it just didn't make sense to me it didn't make sense i'm like okay what would our blessed mother do what would she do would she say hey baby jesus i gotta go to calgary to make 1500 bucks and i'm gonna give you to someone else I, like i don't know but I, I i i always say to moms ask the question what would our blessed mother do what would she do and and pray to the holy spirit sorry i'm i'm going on too long hey it's all truth that's great i mean there's a lot of beauty in what you're saying i mean and you know more about motherhood and female life than i do so i defer to your no um, no no i'm a, a bunch of people have just signed off so <laughs> oh, anyway forgive me everybody um but i i just i anyway forgive me Forgive me. I no, there's a lot of good points, and uh, and so it's important. We do have to ask, what is uh, what is the Holy Spirit guiding us to, and what would our Blessed Mother do? Is a great question for all mothers and all all people to ask. You know, you can never go wrong with asking, and also asking our Blessed Mother to help you to do what God wants. And uh, I just want to say that um, 
you know, aside from all the, all this talk together, I just want to say the most important thing I would love to impart to you is just that you are so loved, you know, like the, this whole talk about confession, it, it makes no sense if it's not in the, the context of God's unconditional love, his desire to bless you to like, you are his child. He wants good for you. And so he always wants to be united with you more deeply. That's what confession does. Heals us, forgives us, draws us back to the arms of our father. We get those graces to love others, to be the best moms we can be, the best parents, the best spouses, the best grandparents, whatever it is. Uh, when we go to confession, we make that confession. We're sorry. We get that penance from the priest. It helps us to, to uh, show the Lord we're sorry, to grow. Uh, we receive that absolution. The Lord forgives us, heals us, strengthens us. And, um, you know, your children will be inspired by you and you are so loved this is a superpower you do not want to miss out on because you will grow and be the best mother you can be when you use the sacrament well i know a huge difference between this, the mothers who use the sacrament well and those who don't if you love your children i would say ask the holy spirit holy spirit help me to know when and how to go to confession to go well so i can be that great holy mother that you are calling me to be uh, and just know your priests love you. We love you so much. We are so happy to do this. Um, we are not inconvenienced. Uh, we are very happy. <laughs> thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your uh, tenderness. And for for those of you that are still here again, I I, I apologize for my uh, tangent. Um, uh, I apologize. Um, and, and, and please, you know, we, we've gone over today, uh, like probably because, you know, there's just so much to say about this beautiful sacrament. Um, please know that we love hearing from you. So if there's something that you loved about the session, there's something that you hated about the session, email us, please, please give us feedback. Um, we, we would love to hear more about what you'd like to see in the future. Uh, Father, there's been this beautiful glowing light that, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a, a, it's like sanctity, right? It's just, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so. Um, so I, I, I do want to thank you, Father, for, um, just your vulnerability, your availability, and, uh, just for all of the hard work in, in ministering to, to souls, I would ask all of you here um, to keep Father Gregory in your prayers. You know, maybe tonight, you know, maybe if tonight, accumulatively, we all pray to rosary for Father Greg. I, I know it's hard to remember to pray for everybody every single day, but if we all pray to rosary today, um, for Father Merkley, I think that that would be a tremendous gift. Uh, please, if you enjoyed the session, please offer a mass for Father Gregory, you know, like in Thanksgiving, offer a mass for his intentions. Um, so, so please pray for Father Merkley. Please pray for the ministry. Right now, we are involved in a major, major uh, project trying to get all of our materials pivoted into a digital format so that more moms could access our materials from different states and different countries. So please pray for that project. Um, please write to us, but please 
more than anything, pray for Father Merkley, pray a rosary for him tonight, order a mass for his intentions. We need good and holy priests like Father Merkley. Um, January, I think it's the 21st, I'm going to be uh, teaching the Ordinandi again, this conflict resolution seminar. I think I'm not sure whether we're, I'm doing it live or whether I'm doing it online, but please pray for that session. Please pray for all of the Ordinandi and um, just pray for your parish priests too. I'm asking each and every mother's group leader um, to remember that the role of the mother's group is also to mother the priest in the parish, okay? They, they need to be mothered. Um, so anyway, thank you. We love you. Sorry for going on and on. Um, I, I, I did ask Father Merkley if he would come back for another session. We don't have that date yet, but when you're praying that rosary today, pray that he says yes to the next one. <laughs> I'll probably say yes whenever it is. As as I'm terrible. <laughs> no, it's a joy. Okay. Um, okay. So I want to say uh, goodbye to everybody. If you enjoyed it, tell somebody. Okay. Tell somebody. Invite them to join us uh, next time. Um, we'll see you uh, a week today um, on Midday Moms. Uh, we love you. We thank you. And uh, as I always like to say, I'm so glad we had this time together. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. Bye, everybody. Send us an email, okay? Please send us an email. If you want to contact Father Greg, you've got a website, right? What's the website? Yeah, I guess I could have said that earlier. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll well, make sure everybody good. knows. I'll make sure. Yeah, if you want to, no pressure. It's still kind of in development. It's still uh, in the works. But yeah, you can always uh, check out Father F.R. Merkley, M-E-R-K-L-E-Y.com, FatherMerkley.com. Okay, bye, everybody. Mwah. 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 Love you, Father. Thank you for the extra time there, and we'll talk to you real soon, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye.